Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. You see our, our message this morning is, uh, is reframing Christmas. Why don't you look at your neighbor, the, the one that's better looking, I don't know, you pick, and just say to them, let's reframe it, reframe it. A lot of you aren't listening. I said, look at your neighbor, one of them, and say, reframe it. <clears throat> that's what we're all about this year. That, that's our theme. We want to we wanna reframe Christmas. But I'd be remiss if I didn't mention before I get into uh, the sermon. The beautiful thing about a Christmas Eve sermon, too, is when Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday, it allots us as, as preachers two hours to preach our message. So I'm, I'm what, about 158 left, so you're all good. How many of you are really hungry? You're hungry for real food? You're hungry for some real food? How about some spiritual food before you go on your way? How about a message that God wants to give us about Christmas? You with me? You stay awake for the next few minutes? I hope so. Well, next week, here's what we're doing next week. I know it's Christmas Eve. Next week, we're doing a two-part series on anxiety. Taking the X out of anxiety. So this place should be packed the next two weeks as well. How many of you deal with anxiety on some level? You heard us, you saw in the drama this morning, the skit, you saw some individuals that were pretty stressed and anxious about things that were happening. How many of us have, have you ever sanitized the Christmas story? Come on, have you sanitized the Christmas story? Where you've looked at it and said, well, 2,000 years ago, it must have been pretty easy for these, you know, these people, this Joseph and, and Mary. We've all done that to some extent, but it was a pretty anxious, pretty difficult time for them. And I'm just going to read us eight script, eight verses from the Christmas story, a couple of verses in Matthew and a couple of verses in Luke that will tie together because we're really highlighting, I mean, really all the characters, but namely Joseph and Mary. And I happen to love Joseph a little more at Christmas time, not just because I'm a man, but he really doesn't get any love. You know, have you ever noticed that? It's always about Mary, 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 Mary. What about Joseph? What about Joey? Right? What about Giuseppe? Doesn't say that much about him. His life really speaks, but we don't have a lot of, right? We don't have a lot in there on him. So it's always fun to, uh, the Christmas season to highlight who this guy really was. And I'm just going to start in, in Luke, in the first chapter there, just a couple of verses. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Just to be betrothed, if you're like, that's kind of a big word. In the, uh, you know, in ancient times, 2,000 years ago, it was basically marriage. You wouldn't, you know, get together with your significant other. You had to wait a year, but it was like marriage, all right? It was looked at uh, legally that way. Uh, to a man betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel comes to visit her. You heard about that. The skit, then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. All right, and then going to Matthew, giving you the other perspective from Joseph. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. 
After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, I love that term in Hebrew, it's called a sadiq, and what a sadiq means, we don't have time for that, because you have things to do, but I'd love to talk about it another day. And not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. How many planners do I have in the room? I'm talking detailed, meticulous planners. How many do I have in the room? See, I'm kind of surprised. I thought I would see more hands in the front, especially on a Christmas Eve service, of people that get to church early. You knew this is one of the Sundays. You had to get up early. You had to get the kids ready if you have kids. And you had to get here early to get a seat. How many of you would say you're more spontaneous? You're not a big planner. You are adventurous. Who says that they're spontaneous? Okay. Y'all aren't adventurous. You're annoying. Okay? You're annoying. You can tell what side I fall on, right? Well, as a pastor, you kind of have to be prepared and you have to plan for things because I don't love to, I kind of do like to plan recreationally. I'm not going to lie to you. I can't. I'm in church. But you know, there's there's a divide there. And some people love to plan and other people are more spontaneous. I can rip on myself and I get OCD-ish, right? And some of you do as well. Don't just look at me. I'm not the only one in this room that's like that. But you look at both sides of it. Do you know why I'm telling you that? Because this year I'm looking at the Christmas story and I'm going, this is a case study in poor planning. (laughs) The Christmas story. Yeah, don't be religious. Look at me like, what? Yeah. It's a case study in poor planning. Look what you saw here today. Think about with Mary and Joseph. Now, I got some questions for God when I die one day. And here's one of those questions, okay? I'm kind of annoyed because the the angel, Gabriel, comes to Mary. You're going to have a child, conceive the Holy Spirit, goes through the whole thing. And then she goes and tells Joseph, Right? And of course, as you saw, is Joseph in his right mind going to believe that this, what this woman has, you know, in his mind, if I could maybe go a little PG, I don't know, she, she was kind of talking to Chuck. She did like, you know, she, what do you think? You're not laughing at that, but that's true. What do you think he thought? What was going through his mind? He had to have been thinking something. This is weird. And then how about him? You saw the difficult conversation. His friends must have been like, yo, Joey, you don't have to do this. Yo, Joey, Joey, you don't have to do this. Put her away secretly. It's poor play. And here's my question for God. I said that for you. You know what I know my question is? How come you didn't just send an angel, Gabriel, to sit both of them down at the same exact time? time. Mary, this is what's going to happen. Joey, you're going to be the daddy. You're not really the daddy, but you're going to be the daddy and you're going to take care of the baby. Could have saved on the fuel bill, make one trip, but no, the angel made two trips. Why? It's poor planning. It's poor planning. 
You know, and it's kind of weird. And, you know, tethered to this about planning is, did you ever notice that God loves to surprise people? Some of you are going, yeah. How many of you raise your, like, you know, God loves to surprise. Now, there's a big philosophical divide, all right? There's a divide between people that I said before, those that are planners and those that are spontaneous. But there's also a divide between people that love surprises and people that hate surprises, Anybody in here, you hate surprises? You hate them. You hate surprises. A lot of you just aren't being honest. I know, again, you're, you're in church. God is watching you from a distance. <laughs> now, listen, listen, let's be real honest now. How many of you in here, as adults, saw a present under a Christmas tree, you unwrapped the present, and then you wrapped it back up? <laughs> Who did that as an adult? Did you really do that as an adult? You really did as an adult? No, there is no way. There is no way. This is Suzanne Haas's mom. This is Mrs. G. Mrs. G, would you like to tell everybody what you unwrapped? What did you find? Everything for all my brothers and sisters. Very nice. I love it. Mr. G, was that an issue in your marriage at all, that this happened on a regular occasion? A little bit? A little bit? Surprises! Surprises! Look at Christmas. It's a cosmic announcement. Surprise! Mary, surprise! Joey, surprise! Come on, aren't you happy? You should be so happy. What's wrong with you? This is the surprise that you're looking for. And I want to say to God too, God, I know you like to surprise people, but have you ever thought... Have you ever thought about the fact that maybe we don't like to be surprised? We human beings sometimes, we don't like to be surprised because we have our own plans. Who's with me? We have our own plans. I don't want to be surprised. I know what I have to do after church. I know where I'm going for Christmas. I'm in this job. I know where where I'm going. Don't surprise me. Anybody in here, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to give you a quote. If you are not a high school English teacher, you can answer this question. (laughs) My wife's an English teacher, if you didn't know that. And I quizzed her on this. The best laid plans of mice and men. Name the book. I heard the author. You didn't listen to my question. John, no, you're right. No, that's impressive that he knew that. Here it is. Of mice and men. John Steinbeck, how many of you are like, oh my gosh, I'm in church. It's bad enough I'm in church. I was dragged to come to church, and now you're bringing up English literature. I got church, and I got literature coming together. You know what's really interesting? And that's that line, the, you know, the, the plans, the, the plans that we have. Do you know that he stole, I read this, and I thought it was so neat. He stole that line, and in Scottish, uh, the line is actually aft ogley. Uh, after a gang, after a glay, which uh, mice and men, right? How was my accent? It was probably desperate. I know some of you guys more Irish than in Scottish. I don't know, but whatever. There was an 18th century Scottish poem, and the poet is writing this story, which Steinbeck kind of takes from, and he's plowing in a field. And there is this man as he's plowing in the field. He uncovers. A, a bunch of mice, a whole nest of mice. And he starts talking to the mice. He stops and he talks to the mice and he says, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to topple over your world. 
I didn't mean to like make a mess out of everything. Isn't it interesting, friends? Christmas Eve 2017 that we're put in the same category, mice and men. And sometimes we have plans in life and we're, we think we're going places. What happens though when whoosh and God says, I'm taking you in a totally different direction. What do you do when life makes an announcement? There's been a change of plans. What do you do? Maybe you didn't get the John Steinbeck. You didn't like of mice and men. So maybe this guy, there's another philosopher, a very famous theologian, and he put it this way. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. That's Mike Tyson right there. Right? Scottish poet, right? Mikey Tyson. Everyone has a plan until they are punched in the face. And there are surprises in life. But you know what the problem is about surprises? You know what the problem? When we look at plans and how they change, God, why didn't you ask for my consent before you changed the plans? That's the bottom line. Why didn't you ask me? I don't mind that you're changing plans, but you should ask me before you change them. That's the real root of this, isn't it? We want control. And when we can't control things, we get upset. I don't want the... Plans can change, but as long as I'm in control of my plans. And maybe this year there's a change of plans. Maybe this year... What do you do, friends, when the ideal Christmas... Some of us are more in love with the idea of Christmas than we are Christmas. Some of us are more in love with the way it was as opposed to the way it is right now. And maybe you came in here this morning and maybe you always thought that you would have Christmas, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day dinner, gathered around a table with your mom and your dad, but maybe your mom and your dad split. Maybe there's been a change of plans. Or maybe you thought you were going to retire at a certain age. And you said, I'm going to get out of this line of work, and I know in five years I'm going to be out. And then five years came, and now you're stuck in a position where you say, I have to work longer. There's been a change of plans. What do you do when life says that? It's a change of plans. Doesn't just that phrase nauseate you? Don't you just get sick to your stomach? Or how about this one? How about you're in an airport? I got to walk into the crowd. On the, you're in an airport and you hear over the loudspeaker, somebody gets on. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Um, if you are on Southwest Flight 97349er uh, and you're headed from JFK and you're going to Orlando, uh, we've had a change of plans. Your flight is now delayed nine hours. You're like, what? I just felt the Christmas spirit leave the room right now as I said that. <laughs> There's been a change of plans. And what do you do when life says that? Can I tell us what we should plan for? Can I tell you what I want you to plan for this Christmas? It's Christmas Eve. When you get around a table, I want you to remember nobody is perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. And somebody today is going to say something around the dinner table that agitates you. Somebody's going to say, I'm the preacher, right? So later on, I'm worried that later on, it's me. 
that I say something like, did you hear your message this morning? Did you hear your message? Right? Nobody's perfect. We have a, do you see the sign when you came in here? That's, that's, that's part of who we are. No perfect people are allowed. One of my favorite authors, he wrote a book, Everybody's Normal Until You Get to Know Them. You think you're normal. You think you're totally sane. You're not. I'm here to tell you that. All right? You're not. But you remember and we look and you saw in the skit about how we think everything was perfect. We had to reframe Christmas this year. Reframe it. Because life isn't perfect. And we live in a world with social media where we put out there on Facebook and Instagram, we put all these crazy pictures. Now, I'm going to give you some... Don't judge me. I got in a fight the other day with my wife. Christian got in a fight the other day. (laughs) This is safe to tell you this fight. You know what the fight was about? Girls, you know what the fight was about? I throw Christmas cards out. Not your Christmas cards. The people that sent Christmas cards that we met in Disney World in like 2007, and somehow they have my address, and they're mailing me a Christmas card. I don't want a Christmas card from anybody I went to Disney World with. I don't want one. I want one from you, but you know what's funny? You know why I don't like the cards? You know why I got in trouble? She yelled at me. She said, if you throw one more card out, boy, you're going to be sleeping on the couch. She didn't say that, but that's kind of where I probably was headed. And I think about it. You look, at the, you look at those cards. They're too perfect. They're too perfect. That's why I hate them. I, it's not, I'm not mean and callous. I, I love your family. I love your kids. But when you send me pictures, I know on the other side of the card, I know what the shoot, the photo shoot looked like. And it looks nothing like the picture that you sent me in the mail. It's fake. It's not real. I want some real Christmas up in here. Like this, right? You ready? Yeah, you can clap for that. That's cla- Come on. How about this? this is the, these are the kind of cards I get. Oh, joy to the world. This is what really it looked like. That's what it looked like. That's what the Christmas shoot looked like. Well, how about this one? You see, the, look at the side-by-side on this one. Really? Really? I'm preaching, it's funny, but I'm preaching because it's true. We want a perfect Christmas. I want everything to be perfect. I want everyone to be happy. Listen, you're going to give somebody a present today or tomorrow too. And they're going to go, oh, smack them upside the head, tell them Merry Christmas and drink some eggnog. Merry Christmas, somebody. Nobody's perfect. Mary, I know you were planning a wedding shower, but while you were planning, God was planning to save the world. Mary, guess what? Now you're going to have to go to Babies R Us and plan a baby registry. You're having a baby. What do you do when plans change? Hey, Joey. You were planning on getting married, and you did the best thing. You married a younger girl, right? You were smart. You married, you went young, you're smart. Joey, listen, listen, you're going to be the baby's daddy, but you're not really the baby's daddy, but you're going to raise this child. I've preached on this before on Joseph. 
And every, every t- you, you, you change it, the angle in which you hit it. Do you realize what Joseph gave up? He gave up his reputation as a sadiq, as somebody that was a man of character and integrity in that world, in that culture. He gave up his whole reputation and he said, I'm going to cast my lot with them. I'm going with Mary and the baby. I'm going to raise this child. And what was it like as people snickered and they mocked and they talked behind their back? What was it like the slaughter of the innocent when all the children, the boys in Bethlehem, two years and younger, when they were killed? What was that like when parents found out as they got older? It was because of him. He's the one. What was that like for that family? Wasn't a perfect Christmas, everyone. Their plans changed. It wasn't perfect at all. Whatever happens, whoever shows up at your dinner table, however long it takes for you to find her, however long it takes for him to pop the big question, whatever happens, don't confuse your plans with God's plans. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan and he knows what he's doing and he's on the throne of your life. Don't be confused by what you see. Don't be confused by what you feel and don't confuse your plans with God's promises because God has promises for you this Christmas. And it, it, it's, it's interesting how it's uh, this cosmic announcement too. There's a surprise. There's a change of plans. Things aren't going to be the way you thought. Because I don't know about you, but we're, we're directionally challenged, spiritually speaking. I mean, I'm directionally challenged every which way. I can get lost going home from here to my house two miles away. And you think I'm kidding? It happens. Where I went to high school in Stony Brook College, I'd get lost and I'd wind up somewhere. And the other day with Jameson, I didn't even tell you, I was so embarrassed because the kid knew I was in Mount Sané and I was near like Savino's and I went the wrong way. I used to live in Miller Place. (laughs) What's wrong with me? But I think about it from a spiritual... I'm sorry, I'm digressing. Listen, I don't want to keep going on with stuff because I don't want to pay your hourly fee. I don't want this to be something that you're like, listen, this guy just keeps... But you you know what I'm talking about? Leslie, you know what I'm talking about, right? You think about it, how, how challenged we are. And we want to know where we're going. We want to know, every, we want to know the end, right? We want to know where the final destination is. But God says, listen, I'm going to give it to you one step at a time. One step at a time. We want the whole picture, right, Steve? We want everything. We want it all right now. And God says, no, 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 no. You're going to get it one step at a time. Can I give you a verse that is pretty well known, even if you're somebody you say, I don't really know the Bible that way, that's cool. This is a verse, though, that is pretty well known. This is a verse that I've never seen on Christmas cards, but maybe it should be on Christmas cards, all right? And here it is. Let me show it to you. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. And, and again, a lot of you are like, I know this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Amen. I hear an amen. And what words, what words kind of lit you up as I read that? The words I underlined. Prosper. Does anybody not want to prosper in 2018? I think you want to prosper. Does anybody want some hope? Does anybody want some hope? I can't hear you. How about a future? Hope. We talked last week about learning hope the hard way and a future. But here's the problem. Context. 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 
If you ever heard the saying, a picture is worth a thousand words, but context is worth a million words. If you know the context, and here's the context of this verse that you've heard probably so many times. Christianity, right, and the cliches and all that stuff. You've heard this verse before, but what's so interesting is so many of us don't know what the context is, and the context is God was saying this through the prophet to a people that were in captivity. What? People that were in a place called Babylon. They don't have a hope. What's the hope? They don't really have a future. So to give you the context of what this verse actually means, you have to back up and go to verse 10. Again, this is stuff that's not going to be on a Christmas card, but let me show you what it says in verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years, what? 70 years of silence? Bubbles on the iPhone? You got to wait 70 years. You'll get that later, some of you. 70 years are completed for Babylon. I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. 70 years. Don't confuse the plan with the promise. There's a promise, but the plan may be changed and it's going to take you a lot longer. So when we look at this, what is the key word in this? It's not prosper because they weren't prospering. It's not really hope because 70 years is a pretty long time. And a lot of these things, you look at these words I've underlined, they are subjective because they're outside of our control. We can't really control all these things. And then the hope in future, these words. What is the key word in this text? You want to know what the key word is? I. I is the key word. You've heard it. Don't forget that. I know the plans I have for you. Implicit in that is you and we don't know the plans that we have for our own lives. I know the plans. I. You don't know. And we're confusing again plans with promises. Just because the plan changed doesn't mean God's mind has. What about Joseph? I was thinking about this during the week, and I thought it was kind of cool. I said, the angel comes to him and doesn't change the circumstances, but gave him a new context, a new frame to see the same exact circumstances. You know what we need this Christmas? We need a new frame. You know what we need this Christmas? We need a new frame. I want an amen on that. We need a new frame. How many of you are psychology students? You studied psychology at some point. Maybe you took a psych class at some point. There is a very fancy phrase. It's called cognitive framing. Ooh. (laughs) Cognitive framing. Maybe you say it that way. It sounds more like, ooh, like scholarly. And cognitive framing says that all of life, everything we experience... All of life's activities, everything... I don't know why I'm talking with an accent. I'll stop. But all of the activities, everything we experience, inherent in all of the things we experience, there's no value in any event. We ascribe value to everything we experience in this world. Are you with me? And you've heard the saying before, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react. There are a lot of situations that are coming down your way in 2018. And I'm here to tell you, some things are out of your control, but you have a choice and I have a choice in everything we encounter, everything we experience, what's the frame by which we're going to look at it through? 
How are we going to frame things this coming year, 2018? How are you going to frame your Christmas Eve dinner? How are you going to frame your Christmas Day dinner? Here's a picture. I saw this, and I thought this was kind of cool. Gives you a gives you an understanding of, of of what I mean by cognitive framing, right? Isn't that good? Put the sign up. That's much better. Stranger pouring at your bare skin. That's that's cognitive framing. Is that not what it really is? But we don't look at it that way. We say, I'm going to get a massage. You don't say, I'm going to see some stranger and they're going to take their hands and they're going to put them all over me and you, people will look at you like you are nuts. It's how we frame things in life that's so important on how we do it. And how many of us know, I'll use this frame, how many of us know sometimes the frame is more important than the picture. How many of us know the frame sometimes is more important than the actual picture? I grew up in a house with parents, and especially Pastor Linda, my mother. She would make us process our emotions. And when we had a, um, a quarrel or we had a disagreement, right? it was always, it's not... What you're saying, honey, it's how you're saying it. It's how you're framing it. I'm still sick of hearing that. But she was right. You were right, mom. You were right. I can tell you that now. You were right. We're constantly framing things. How about as a parent? How many of you have kids or even grandkids? How many of us know it's so important how we frame questions? You know what I'm learning as a father? Can I be open and honest? What I'm learning as a father? Rebecca, is that all right? You think they can handle the truth? Too many times I would, I, would, I would ask, like especially my oldest, I'd give him like questions like, what do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? And then I learned, no, 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 no. No more open choice questions. <laughs> now we are going to have multiple choice questions. And here we go. Jameson, would you like to eat your free range, gluten-free chicken kale soup, which is unbelievable, right? Would you like to eat that soup? Or here's your option. Or never play Minecraft and never see the light of day ever again. (laughs) It's true. Yo, kid. Yo, I'm just framing things for you. You pick what you want, right? You're the eight-year-old. Or how about it when it comes to our marriages? How we frame things with our spouse. You know what the problem is sometimes? I'm being serious on this. We always harp on the negative things in our spouse. What if we started framing things differently? What if we looked at things they did positively as we move out of this place and say, you know what? You know what you did here? I just want to tell you what a great job you did on this and what a great job you did with the kids. And maybe your spouse is going to be a little taken back. You are reframing them and how you relate to them, how important it is and how we relate to each other. And then some of us, you know what we do? We talk to our friends and we complain about our spouses. You know what I want you to do this week? I want you to talk about how wonderful, the wonderful things about your spouse. And I want your friends to go, did you get a new husband or a new wife? Are you married to the same person? And I want you to tell them, you know what? I didn't get a new husband or a new wife. I just reframed them. I looked at them through a different focus. I looked at them through a different picture. You can clap for that. Reframe it. Reframe it. Can I be brutally honest too? 
How many times do I, I probably said that 10 times, Scott, this sermon. I'm going to say it 10 more. You look, you look at the frame, right? You think of the, the frame and we think that things are really supposed to be perfect. I just lost my train of thought. That's why I went back to my notes, okay? Because I got so excited, Scott, I got excited for a second. You know what we do though? You know what we do? Tomorrow, not even tomorrow. What, Christmas is tomorrow? Is it Monday? Anybody have plans tomorrow? You have good plans? <laughs> on, on Tuesday, you know what's going to happen? Somebody in here is going to wake up and you're going to have to go back to work. I'm not going back to work, but you're going back to work. And you're going to go back to work and you're going to get up in the morning and you're going to tell your spouse, you're going to tell your friend, they're going to say, hey, what's going on? How you doing? How's the week look? This week sucks. <laughs> Some of us are framing our days that way and then we expect God to come in. The power of life and death is in the tongue. We have power over our situations and we're speaking those words into existence and we're saying that my week is going to be awful. How about reframing it? What do you expect? If you start framing your week that way, what do you expect to happen? Of course it's going to be terrible. How about getting up? How about getting up on Tuesday morning and saying with the psalmist, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. What are you rejoicing about? I don't know yet, but I'm going to find something to rejoice about. Reframe it. Reframe this Christmas. Reframe your situation. I told you I had, I think this is good. I think this makes sense. It's life application because I see it from my own life. This is one of my biggest challenges. Living this out. Reframing situations. Looking at situations. And even, listen, I brought a picture in. I don't want to get all emotional on you, but listen, I have certain pictures. This is a picture of Nolan and I. This is before he had, uh, he had his adenoids and tubes put in his ears. This is like two years ago. It's my youngest, if you're like, I don't even know who you're talking about. It's my youngest. He's going to be four next month. And what's so cool, I have this on a dresser in my bedroom. And I look at it every day because I kind of look at this picture and like the, the caption or the bubbles, it's like I see him going, he's my daddy, he's my hero. It's my world, my, that's how my, the way I look at it, right? Like, this, like he's looking at me, but I, I, you know what I realize? That I'm going to frame my day and go, there are other people that are counting on me. There are other people that are looking up to me. And that, listen, this is a generational thing. Parents, some of you I may not see for a couple of months. Can I tell us what are our kids supposed to expect with how we're framing our Christian life? What are we supposed to expect? We want them to grow up and be Christians, but we don't have anything to do with Christianity. The last time you looked at a Bible verse is when I put it up on a screen. But you want your kids to be Christians? If I don't say it to you, who's going to say it to you? If I don't give you the truth, who's going to give you the truth? You know what I want? I brought this in. You know what I want? Can I tell you what I want? I don't want you to come up afterwards and say, that was a really good meeting. I really love the drama. The, the message, it hit home. I got it. I, I understood your point. You know what I want? I don't want us to talk about this message. I want us to work this message. Do you hear what I said? I want us to take this and work it. Go to Target. Go to the dollar store. Go to some place. Get a picture frame. Keep it blank like this. Put it somewhere on your desk. 
Put it in your car. Put it somewhere. And remember, you are the director of every single situation, every single shot. You are the one that directs the camera. You are the one that frames your life. And you know, stop trying to frame other people's lives. Stop trying to frame everyone else's life. When you start framing your own life and look at your own life, you realize, man, I got a lot of stuff I need to work on. I better, like, get these other people out of the view. Can I borrow you for a second, too? Yeah, so come on up here for a second. Come here. What's your name, by the way? Matt. Matt, James. Nice to meet you. Pleasure. Matt, don't think I'm, I'm too crazy. But I want you to also think of this, too. You know what, Matt? Come over here. Come over here. I didn't th- this wasn't in my notes, man, but I just want to do it. I want to do it. I want you to stand right here. And I want you to remember, friends, this week there is an enemy that wants to come and steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy. And the enemy, I don't want us getting focused on something that is outside of our frame. Keep the enemy outside of our frame. Next week, we're going to talk about anxiety. That's all I needed from you, Matt. Thank you. Next week, we're going to talk about anxiety, reframing anxiety, reframing worry, reframing fear. Do you realize what the Christian message is? Do you realize what the Christian message is? And you may be saying to yourself, I feel like a nobody. I feel like I have no worth in the eyes of God. Look at my life. I would say to you, do you know the context of the story for which you came in here this morning? Do you know the context of Christmas that your Savior, as you heard in the skit, was born in a barn, was born in a stable, was born in a feeding trough with filthy rags? That's the context of our faith. And I don't even, you know, I want the devil to know. You know why I want the devil to know too? Listen, I know and I've been doing this because even though it's Christmas, what are we really? We're an Easter people, aren't we? Aren't we an Easter people? Aren't we an Easter people? You know what I love about the gospel? Again, you're thinking, whoa, this is preacher. You're a couple of months off. I'm not off. We're an Easter people. And one day, God said, you know what? My son's going to go on the cross. God incarnated perfection. You don't have to be perfect because there's only one that's perfect. And he incarnated perfection. And he went, he was born in a stable and grew up. And then he went to a cross, a symbol now, the most recognizable symbol in the history of the world. You got a minute for me to just finish preaching this? And then what's so cool is he was put in a tomb. And there was the devil. He got him, got him on the cross. He's in the tomb. That's all, folks. Game's over. That lady sang, there's nothing left. And God said, that is a rented tomb. And you know what, devil? The plans have changed. My plans have changed. And my son is getting up out of the tomb three days later. And he's holding the keys to death. He's holding the keys to Hades. Plans changed, devil. Plans changed. You lost. You lost. Do we realize the power that we have? Do you realize the power that we have? As Christians, you can start playing something, Barb. You can start playing something. Don't let life, please, please, listen, please, don't let life hit you with a tragedy for you to get your perspective back. As a pastor, you know what I hear, I hear it all the time? You see people, and they come back. It's 9-11, right? And the churches are full in America. What if that happens again? Then we're going to come back to the church. Then we're going to come back. God, I want you now. How about getting ready before the storm actually comes? 
How about getting ready before, not waiting till after? Stop waiting. Tell somebody this year at the table, you know what, that you love them. Tell your friends that you love them. Reframe them. You know what God's saying to me? You look at all situations. You may have somebody that's annoying at your table. Somebody may be annoying today or tomorrow. You know what I want you to do? I want you to reframe them. They are now part of your spiritual discipline program to teach you patience. Reframe them. You can reframe somebody today or tomorrow and they don't even know it. They don't even know what happened, but you can reframe them. How about taking that stack of bills that you have and reframing them? How about taking your health? Hey, listen, some of you don't know me that well. Listen, I go through situations and pain and hardship just like you do, just because I'm the preacher. But we have to reframe things. I'm reframing things that happen in my life. God has a plan. And listen, if God is for me, who and what can be against me? Who can take us out? Reframe situations. Don't wait until it's too late. Be a framer, friends. Who wants to be a framer this year? This Christmas, who wants to be a reframer? I'm going to stop because I know you, want, you, you really are hungry. And you want some physical food. But I'm just so thankful. These are my closing words. I'm just so thankful that God sent his son into the world the way he saw it today. It wasn't a perfect picture. It wasn't a perfect picture. God is not looking for us to be perfect. And maybe you came in and you know what? You hear the gospel, you're hearing the gospel a little different. I'm reframing what the gospel really is, what it's really about, and the power that we have. I'm not telling you you're not going to have hardship. You will. You're not a Christian. You go, I was dragged here today. Listen, this is the foundation. We talked last week about learning hope the hard way. You're going to learn some things the hard way, even as Christians. You don't hear that on TV a lot. They just talk about all the great... I know today what was said on TV. I watched a little bit this morning. And you know what? Yeah, it's great news. But what about the cross? There's a cross to this. I'm not saying any of it's going to be easy. But we can reframe every single situation. Lord, Father, I thank you. How you framed things 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. Father, you took someone, he was born to a virgin, born in an obscure village, to a couple that were poor and they were destitute. They were not born in the Waldorf. They were not born in some palatial palace. They were born in a barn. Father, I thank you for that context. I thank you that's how you came into the world. Father, I thank you that that's how you want to move on your people, Father. There is power in weakness. There is power when we become weak, we can then become strong. Lord, I ask that you would help everyone to reframe their Christmas this year. Reframe the people in their lives. Reframe the situations in their lives. And to reframe if they've never the relationship of who you are. Listen to me, friends. There's only two ways. C.S. Lewis said it. You have to look at Jesus as if he was the son of God. There's only two camps. Son of God, Messiah, Savior of the world, or he was a lunatic. There's no in-between. You can't say Jesus was just some great teacher. That doesn't do it. When you look at the history, when you look at the record. It's two camps, that's it. And if that's you, listen, if that's you and you don't know who this Jesus is and you were brought here this morning, I'd like to talk to you about him. When the music plays and people go outside for, for you know, refreshments and, and gluten and all that stuff. 
I want to talk to you, though. I, I'm not one of those preachers. I'm not, I don't sit here and raise your hand, and I, I, I'm not really that comfortable with that. I'd rather talk to you privately and have a conversation about what you think and tell you what this Christian bag is all about. How about reframing it this year? And how about saying, you know what? I'm going to put this towards the top. I'm reframing what I do with my family. I'm not just coming to church on the holidays, on the high holy days. I'm actually going to spend some time here. I want to learn. I'm going to become a disciple. How about that this year? What if this place was actually crowded? What if people, maybe you don't have any anxiety. That's great. You're from another planet then. I don't know where you're from. But the rest of us, we have anxiety. We deal with issues. Cast your anxiety on him. May you have a great Christmas. Worship team. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.